Colossians chapter 1, book of Colossians chapter 1, and um, we'll begin at verse number 9, Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 9. Praise God. I'll put it up on the screen if you didn't bring your Bible tonight. Colossians chapter 1 verse 9, it says, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Let me stop right here for just a moment, okay? Um, obviously, we here at Heritage, we want to see people who don't know the Lord come to knowing, people who have, have not received salvation, receive salvation, to, to be born again. Um, but... You know, week in and week out, the overwhelming majority of people that we have an opportunity to minister to have already been born again, and, and we're thankful for that. Um, but remember, the instructions that Jesus gave to us was not just to go get people saved, but to go make disciples, uh, to go make disciples of all nations. And so discipleship is, is about growing up into the things that God has for us. Um, salvation is a doorway into the life that God created you to live. Um, apart from salvation, we have no way to ever attain, lay hold of, live out our best life. But once we're born again, now the Bible says that there are things within reach for us that were previously beyond our reach, previously, um, you know, impossible for us to ever experience or be a part of. Now, there are a lot of people who are born again, but they have no idea what the will of God is for their life. They have absolutely no idea what it is that God has for them, uh, has for them to possess, has for them to experience, has for them to enjoy, has for them to do. They have no idea where they fit in His plan, um, have no idea what their purpose is, and, and so this is why the Apostle Paul, he would go into these different areas and preach the gospel to people that had never heard the gospel, never heard of salvation. These people would, get, would be born again, and then the Apostle Paul would stay there. He would start a church. He would train up a leader, establish a pastor in that church, and then move on and do it somewhere else, basically the, the role or the assignment of an apostle. And then he would write these letters you know, back to these churches to try to help instruct them and encourage them and, and train them. And so notice, and this is not the only place we see this, where Paul was constantly praying that, that people would know and understand what the will of God is, you know, for their individual lives. So I mentioned this morning, um, for those of you who uh, uh, were here yesterday morning when uh, Pastor Marcos uh, spoke to our men at the men's breakfast, uh, he said so many things that, that really uh, impacted me, but one of the key things that he was talking about there is that, you know, it's very easy for us to get so caught up in our denomination, our, um, you know, things that have to do with religion and all this other stuff, but, but it, while we're focused on all those things, it, it really uh, has nothing to do with what the Lord has for you as an individual, and it's, 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 it's the, the specific will of God for your life and what He 
put you on this earth to do that we need to, to be interested in, we need to seek and pursue and, and ask Him. That was, Matt's talking about asking the Lord to, to help us with our unbelief, and that's wonderful. Marcos was encouraging us yesterday to, hey, ask the Lord. You, you need to have a conversation with Him because one day you're going to be judged, and that was what Mark was saying. One day you're going to be judged based on that, right? And he said, rather than you wait till the day you stand face to face with Jesus and find out something then that you should have known now, just go ahead and ask him now. Just go ahead and find, find, you know, he wants you to know this now. And so this is what Paul is talking about, that they would be filled with the knowledge of his will. And, and this would have to do, of course, with both the general will of God for all of God's people, but then also his specific plan and purpose uh, for your individual life. If you're looking for the sweet spot of life, if you're looking for your best life, you're going to find it in the center of God's will for your life. Um, your, de your degree of enjoyment in life is going to rise and fall uh, with your proximity to the center of His will for your life. In other words, the closer you live every day of your life doing what God put you on this earth to do, the more you're going to enjoy life. The further away from that you get, the less you're going to enjoy life and the more miserable you're going to be. Amen? Amen? All right, let me keep going here. Um, <clears throat> verse 11, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. All right, so verse 12, I want to zero in on that again tonight. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Amen. Let me ask you a question tonight. Have you ever sent someone a thank you note? Have you ever sent someone a thank you note? Um, I remember when I graduated high school and um, had friends and family that, you know, sent me different kinds of, of gifts and, uh, and, you know, my mom and dads are like, hey, you know, you, you need to send all these people a thank you note, which I was obviously thankful for those notes, but I was, I mean, for those gifts, but I was like, you know, can I just tell them next time I see them? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and uh, they, no, um, you need to send them a thank you note, right? A formal thank you. Have you ever thought what a formal thank you actually is? A formal thank you is an acknowledgement of a, of a gift received. It's an acknowledgement of some kindness extended. Um, you're, you're not just doing some obligation by telling somebody thank you, but you're acknowledging what they've done for you. You've, you're, you're acknowledging uh, something that they gave to you. So when he says giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us, what he's saying here is that, that we're acknowledging, we're recognizing, we're, we're aware and we're letting Father know that we are aware and we are appreciative, right, that He has qualified us. In other words, you, you, you know, I don't really think you send somebody a thank you note for something they haven't done for you. You don't, you don't thank somebody for something that, you know, thank you for forgetting my birthday. You know, you, see, you don't, that's rude, right? So, so the, 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 what's implied here in giving thanks for this specific thing is in the giving of thanks we're also acknowledging we're 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 expressing our awareness of okay um, we're 
we're saying to, uh, here, here's an example, okay, I had a neighbor that, um, that sent Bethany uh, and Jake a wedding gift, but somehow they never got that gift, right? And, um, and he wasn't being rude about it at all. He's like, hey, uh, Jake and Bethany, you know, get, and I was like, you know, I, I, they didn't say anything about it. I was kind of, to be honest with you, a little surprised that he'd sent them a gift. I was thankful that he did. So now notice, they didn't acknowledge that gift because that was a gift they were unaware that they had been given. They, they didn't say thank you because they didn't know a gift uh, had, had been um, sent to them uh, from him. And so, of course, you know, did some investigating, figured out, got it straight, and, uh, and, and they wound up receiving the gift. What's the point? Why, and was, why is Paul praying and giving thanks and wanting them to be thankful and give thanks? It's because he's wanting us to not just be appreciative, but to specifically recognize and acknowledge that we've been qualified. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Okay, so partake, we said this morning, it, it in, is, a, is a deeper word, more meaningful than just to receive something. Partake means to be a part of it. It's one thing to have a, a, a table full of your favorite food in front of you. It's another thing to partake. Partake means you actually eat it. You enjoy it. You, you take it in. Um, you benefit from it. So he's saying that we've been qualified to partake, to enjoy, to take in, to benefit from the inheritance of the saints in the light. Now, the greater context here of inheritance is he's speaking of our inheriting the blessing. Our receiving by way of inheritance the empowerment, enablement, enhancement that God placed upon Abraham, empowering him, enabling him uh, to prosper and enhancing, making better every area and aspect of his life and existence. Abraham was successful. Abraham was victorious over his enemies. Abraham was prosperous to the point of being extremely wealthy. Um, Abraham uh, experienced divine intervention in his physical health and well-being. Um, he was uh, sustained um, well, well into his senior years uh, by God. And as we just go on and on, all that the blessing of the Lord upon his life uh, did for him. Um, we see... Uh, in, in Genesis, I think it's around chapter 14 maybe, where, you know, Abraham took uh, his employees, they're referred to as servants, um, it was like 300 and something men that worked in, in his uh, operations, right? And... Uh, and he took those men and the blessing of the Lord upon them. They went and defeated uh, a king. They went and, and, and defeated like the, 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 um, one of the more powerful uh, nations, if you will, uh, of his day. I, I, again, we can just go on and on with this. But the point being here, he's, he's saying that we have inherited this. Galatians says Jesus became a curse for us so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon non-Jewish men and women. In other words, we're not biological descendants of Abraham, but because of Jesus 
And, and, and again, I'm not here to try to explain all of that tonight, but because of Jesus, we have received it. Now, turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. Amen. Let's settle in here, and that's probably where we'll be for the rest of the evening. Amen. Rest of our time together this evening. Are you, are you okay? Are you blessed? Amen. So we want to know what the will of God for our life, for our individual lives, the will of God for, for our family, um, the will of God for our family of faith, um, the will of God for our businesses, um, the will of God for the, the, the companies that we may be employed by. Um, amen. To un- understand what um, God desires. Um, I've said this for years, I'll say it again tonight. The best advice that I could ever give anybody is to agree with God and agree with Him quickly. Agree with God and agree with Him quickly. Um, every moment of, of suffering, every moment of depression, every, every moment of, of, um, of misery on planet Earth can be traced back to people on planet Earth not agreeing with God, not living in harmony with Him, but instead living in opposition to Him, right? But notice it's very challenging for someone to agree with God if we don't know what God desires, if we don't know what He's all about, if we don't understand what His true heart for you really is. Um, And man, because the devil is a liar and he makes his living by deceiving people, there are so many people deceived and confused. Deceived means to believe something to be true that's not true. There are so many people who are deceived when it comes to what God actually desires, wants uh, for them and for their lives. Amen. And so tonight, again, God created you to be blessed. He created you and wants you to be blessed. We see this in Genesis chapter 1. Let's begin at verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male, created him, male and female, he created them. Then the very next thing, notice what God did, then God blessed them. Then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So when it says God blessed them, we've, we've talked about this recently in one of the discipleship classes, but when it comes to the Word of God in general, we have to understand that it's very condensed. Um, you understand like Campbell's soup is, you can buy cans of Campbell's soup, they're condensed. In other words, there's a lot, of, lot more soup in that can than it'll fit in that can. You've got you to gotta add some water to it. It's concentrated, okay? And, and so the Word of God in general is concentrated, but perhaps no other place is it more concentrated than the first three chapters. Um, there, there, in other words, every word, um, the, the example that I use is all the billions of stars that exist in the universe, Genesis communicates the creation of those stars by saying it this way, and he, God, and he made the stars also. That's all we have, right? So, but we know that that simple phrase, and he made the stars also, six words, communicates a, a, a magnitude 
that, that is, is almost incomprehensible, okay? So another one would be like when he says, um, and let them rule. You know, we think, well, that's really not that big a deal. No, <laughs> what God is saying there is he drew a line in the sand and he gave us authority over all the works of his hands. So when it says, then God blessed them, the devil has tried so hard to trivialize the concept of blessing. Think about that one thing for there, right there for just a moment, right? Bless your darling heart, right? He's trying to trivialize it, almost to the point of mockery. He's, he's trying to so dilute, so, um, you know, uh, where the, you know, somebody sneezes and, and we say, bless you, you know. And, and we, it, we just become numb, uh, you know, to what these things really are and the, and, the, and, the, and the seriousness of it, the weightiness of it, the magnitude. And he made the stars also, let them rule. Then God blessed, then God blessed them. Amen. So when God blessed them, he empowered them, he enabled them to do what he put them on this earth to do. This word... Um, Blessing or blessed can be defined many different ways. One of my favorite ways is it means empowered to prosper. Empowered to prosper. Amen. Now, I want to, in the, in the time we have remaining, I want to keep reading here. Um, so God blessed them, verse 28, and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. If you're keeping score at home, the five things he told them, number one, be fruitful, okay? We were created by God to live a meaningful, fruitful life. This, this means so much more than, than simply having children, okay? Um, God multiplied Abraham for years and years and years before he ever had a single child, Right? He multiplied his goods, he multiplied his lands, he multiplied his sheep, he multiplied his resources. Right? So the idea behind being fruitful and multiplying, uh, so many folks, again, they think all that's referring to is just procreation and having some children, having some babies. And, and that is only one small aspect of one of these things. He told them to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth, to fill the earth, subdue it, you know, something gets out of line, take care of it, have dominion, rule over your domain. Now, let's keep going here. Genesis chapter 2, now verse 8. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and um, I'm sorry, I threw you off, didn't I? Genesis, let's turn over a chapter. Genesis chapter 2, verse 8, okay? The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay, let's keep reading here. Now a river went out of Eden to water the garden. And from there it parted and became four river heads. The name of the first is Pishon. It is the one which skirts the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. Um, I believe that you pronounce that word delium. And the onyx stone are there. 
The name of the second river is Gihon, and uh, it is the one which goes around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is Hidekel. It is the one which goes toward the east of Assyria. The fourth river is the Euphrates. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. Let me, let me just comment here, and, and obviously, you know, we have these specific details um, recorded um, because this isn't just fantasy. You realize there are people who think this is just a fable, that this is just some story that was concocted. No, no, he, the Garden of Eden was a real place. Amen. And it was located in, a, in an exact specific geographical location on planet Earth. Amen? Are you still with me? You say, Pastor Mark, do you believe that? Absolutely, I believe that. Okay? Now, the thing, and we'll, we'll kind of go through this and then we'll close, but the, the thing here that, that we need to see is, is in their day, I mean, as it is in our day, water is life. You've got to have some water. Right? Um, obviously, you know, we live in a, in a country where we've got, you know, water brought into our home, you know, through pipes and things of this nature. But, you know, that wasn't the case in their day. Um, but notice that they didn't just have one river, they had four. Okay, four different um, rivers. Rivers, again, representing uh, life and the flow of life and, and so forth and so on. All right. Um, verse 16, and the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Now, there's a lot that I want to eventually develop here, but let's, let's stay with um, for just a moment because it seems like that's what the Holy Spirit's breathing on tonight. Um, Let's stay with this, let's, this thought about understanding the will of God, what God desires for you. And remember, this, when we think of the will of God, don't just think in terms of what He wants me to do with my life, okay? You understand what I'm saying here? It's not, it's not just, you know, uh, the will of God as it pertains to, to what you should do, but it's what God desires for you to have. You follow what I'm saying here? It's, it's, what, it's what God, the quality of life that He desires for you. Um, the, the um, you know, your, your health and well-being. Um, we see this throughout the Word of God. Jesus really focused on these things in His, in his teachings um, in that He compared it to the desire that a good father on earth would have um, for uh, his children. Um, and, and so if you have children tonight, or even if you don't have children, I think you can, you know, nieces or, or nephews or, or, or what have you, the idea is that, that a good father wants good things for his children. A good father wants his children to be healthy, right? A good father wants his children to, to, to learn and grow and develop their potential. A good father wants, wants their children um, to, to, to prosper. Um, a, a good father wants uh, their children to, uh, to do what's right. I mean, we, you know, again, we could go on and on with that. But so when we talk about what, what God's will is for your life, 
you know, I'm not just talking about, you know, the, the kind of details like where you should go to college, what career you should pursue. Certainly, I believe the will of God applies there, but I'm, I'm just talking about, you know, every area of your life, what Father wants and desires for you. Now, I believe that there are three places where we can see the will of God for mankind most clearly. Um, and the first one is the one that we just looked at. This would be um, what life was like, what life was like in the Garden of Eden before mankind sinned. This is where we, we can really get uh, an, an accurate picture of what kind of life God desires, wills, um, for His most beautiful and prized creation, mankind. Okay? Now, there's three places. We'll come back and, and finish with that first one. The second place that we can see the will of God for mankind most clearly is in the earthly ministry of Jesus. The earthly ministry of Jesus. See, there's a lot of folks had all these crazy notions about it being God's will for people to be sick, it being God's will for, you know, destructive weather to kill people as judgment and blah, blah, blah. Well, we see how Jesus dealt with those things. God become a man, dwelt among us. He healed sick people. He, he identified sick people as being made sick by the devil and that he came to destroy the works of the devil, right? You, you follow what I'm saying? Now, again, if you just have an Old Testament uh, understanding of God and never drag it through the blood of Jesus into the New Testament, it's very easy for you to be confused about these things. But again, what, what we see, of course, in the life of Jesus is that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. God, Jesus, has come that we might have life and that we might have it, what, more abundantly. All right. So three places, again, you can see the will of God for mankind, what God desires for mankind most clearly. In the Garden of Eden before sin, in the earthly ministry of Jesus, and the third place is what we know heaven will one day be like. Okay? And again, um, what's the crime rate in heaven tonight? How many people are starving to death in heaven tonight? How many people are suffering with, with cancer or some kind of degenerative disorder? See, none of that, right? Because Father God never desired that. It would be like me desiring uh, uh, my, my grandson to be sick. Are you kidding me? Absolutely, positively not. Um, as a matter of fact, just the opposite. Um, he, uh, in one year, he's had uh, you know, sniffles j just a little bit, praise God, and, and, and that didn't last very long. But even then, when he's sitting there trying to, to, to breathe with, with the congestion, um, you know, you're sitting there thinking, I would take it for him if I could. Not, I'm happy he's got this. I hope he learns something through this sickness. I hope this makes him, but no, no, I'm sitting here thinking, man, if, if I could take that for him and, and, and him not have it, right? And again, we're, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. I, don't, I think, you know, every person in this room, you know, would have that same kind of, of, of compassion. But that's exactly what Jesus did. He took it for us so, so that we wouldn't have to. So again, three places, Garden of Eden before um, Adam and Eve sinned, the earthly ministry of Jesus, and what we know heaven will one day be like. This is where if you want to really begin to understand the kind of life, the quality of life uh, that, that Father desires uh, for you, um, you, you need to look uh, in, in those three uh, areas, those three 
distinct places. Amen. Now, praise God. Um, amen. Let me, um, I'm not going to, I've got a long list here, and I don't think we're going to have time to, to really develop this properly, and I want to give it the, 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 the right attention. Um, but based on what we just read um, from Genesis chapter 2, verses 8 through 17, um, we, we see some things about this garden, this, this place. In other words, I, I believe the garden is a picture of the blessed life. I believe the garden, because remember, God created us to be blessed, not cursed. And in addition to him blessing Adam, he placed Adam in the midst of a place that was blessed. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? Um, let, let me just let me point out one thing to you. Was there enough food for Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden? It, it wasn't just a matter of, them, of there being enough food there for them to eat, okay? Uh, there was like every kind of food, um, every uh, uh, imaginable uh, thing. Um, I, I believe that there was food in the Garden of Eden for him to eat that grew there that was transplanted from heaven. We know the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life was there. Um, and we know that that tree of life, there's the fruit of it um, is, is in heaven now for us to eat when we get there. I mean, how, think about that for a minute, you know. I mean, can you reckon you can make a pie from the fruit of the tree of life? You know, it's like a fried pie. You know, you got a chocolate pie, you got an apple pie, but then you got tree of life pie. You, you follow what I'm saying? No, this is, I'm not trying to be silly about that. I'm, what I'm trying to show you is that it's, there's, a, real, there's, a, there's a, a fruit that you can pick and eat that comes from a tree that Father God says is the tree of life. How good is that going to be? How delicious I mean, I, can you imagine like the tree of life, somebody taking a bite of it, it's like, I don't know about that. You know, no, I mean, it's going to be like, I mean, you know, it's gobble it up, right? I mean, it's, it's good stuff. I believe, you don't have to believe it's go to heaven, but amen. I believe there was tree, other trees like that, that, that Father God brought from heaven to the earth for just them to enjoy, for them to eat what he eats, right? Um, and so every, everything, just delicious, wonderful, uh, stuff that nourish and feed the body. And, and see, the tree of life fed, fed us more, fed them more than just physical food. We're talking about food that you can eat that will nourish all dimensions of your, of your being. It was life to them spiritually. It was life to them mentally. It was life to them emotionally. It was it, and life to them physically. Amen. All right, well, but just watch this. So as we read about what was in that garden and what was available there, 
we see that there was an abundance of provision. Amen? You still with me? feel some of you slipping away. Come on, I'll finish right here, I promise. There was an abundance of provision, but God didn't just put what they needed in the garden. There was gold there. There was precious gemstones there. This delium or bellium, B-D-E-L-L-I-U-M, this was an aromatic resin that you make perfume from. Now, I don't know about you, I, I don't, amen, I, I wear a deodorant, I'm not, I'm not a cologne guy. If you're a cologne guy, that's fine. If you're a perfume lady, I love Pam to wear perfume. I mean, it's just not, I mean, it's not. But you realize that, we, you know, we, we could make it the rest of our lives without perfume. I, I could live a really long, healthy, prosperous life without there ever being, uh, you know, perfume. It's, in other words, what I'm saying, it's not, it's not a necessity. It's not, you know, uh, uh, a, a requirement for life, to sustain life. But God put it there anyway. Seems like in the New Testament it goes something like this, all things richly to enjoy. If you think God is just like utilitarian, do you understand what I mean by that? Utilitarian? Um, let, me give you, let me give you an example of what I mean by this. Sam Walton was utilitarian. Okay? And, and what we mean by that, it was bare bones, no frills. It, it was... Um, you know, just the, the, the main offices, I don't know if it's changed, but back in the day, you know, the main offices were, were just really sparse and, uh, you know, just enough to get by, just enough to get, you know, comfortable place for somebody to come to work, but no, nothing elaborate, right? That's just his mindset. And I think a lot of people think of God like that, you know, it's just, just, just enough to get by God, you know. No, no, no. See, in the garden, he gives them, a hundred thousand times more food than they could ever eat in 20 lifetimes. And he puts gold and gemstones and, and there's what we would call luxury items. <laughs> this was before there was ever any way to dig gold out of the earth and go like cash it in or something, right? And it was, it was just for them to enjoy. It was just something beautiful. And, and, and by the way, who... Who has gold in their world? God, right? There's a lot of gold in heaven if you didn't know that. And so notice that he enjoys gold. He created us in his image and in his likeness. You know why you like gold? It's not greed. A lot of people, it turns into greed for them. We like gold because God likes gold and we're created to function the way he functions. So again, God puts these things in the earth. I'm just, I'm trying to show you something about him and his heart for you and the life that he desires for you to live. Can I just say it plain and not make you mad? God wants you to have some gold. Blessed life includes gold. Blessed life in includes precious stones. Blessed life includes expensive perfumes. Again, you, Pastor Mark, you... you, you 
you know, you was doing good to write them. No, no, I, again, if that offends you, you need to ask yourself why that offends you. If that, if that bothers you, you need to ask yourself why that bothers you. Amen. Brother Keith Moore talks about, you know, when he uh, was at a, an airport and he had landed his plane there. And um, his pilots, I guess pilots at airports, you know, I guess it's kind of a camaraderie, a brotherhood or something. And so it was a, um, I think it was a big insurance company. Uh, their plane was there and the pilots of their plane was basically bad-mouthing these prosperity preachers flying airplanes. And, and um, Brother Keith's pilots were kind of, you know, a little miffed about them being rude like that. And I thought Brother Keith had such a, an amazing answer to that. He said, look, he said, they obviously value insurance, but they don't value the things of God. In other words, they, they don't see anything wrong with, you know, an executive of a big corporation, banking or whatever, having a plane to fly around the country and take care of banking business because that's something they value. It's something that, that, that they view as being important. Don't think it's strange when they don't value the things of God. And because they don't think it's important, they don't think that someone should be blessed in, in that way. You follow what I'm saying here, right? So the, the point, though, that I'm trying to make is um, we're, we're children of the king. <laughs> Amen? In other words, do we, you know, do we think it's a, an odd thing for, um, you know, the queen of England to live in a palace? I mean, she's the queen, right? It's, just, it's what goes with her um, station and identity in life. So again, why should we think it a strange thing that our Creator Father, King of the Universe, wants us to have some nice things as well, and that they're a part of what it means to be blessed? Amen. You get anything out of this? All right, stand with me tonight. Praise God. Praise the name of the Living God. Well, there's. Uh, we'll get to it next Sunday morning. There's. Um, there. There are lots of other things you might want to spend a little time in these verses this week, but there are other things that we can um, look at, you know, what was in that garden to get some idea, because again, it's a picture of a blessed life. It's, it's typical of what blessed living looks like. And it was God's desire for us in the beginning. Sin disqualified us from that life, but Jesus came to restore it all back to us. Amen? Amen? All right, Father, you're good to us and we thank you for it. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for stretching us tonight. Thank you for helping us see some things, Father, more clearly than we've perhaps been able to see them before. Father, I pray that every person in this room, every person in the sound of my voice, those that will watch or view this uh, later on the Internet, Father, that they also, Lord, as well as those of us that are in the room tonight, that, that we would be filled with the knowledge of your will. Father, that, that you would open our eyes to see clearly the life that you desire for us to live. And Father, even understand in a deeper way the extreme price you paid for us to have access to and the opportunity to 
live this uh, life, Lord, that this blessed life that we see um, revealed in Scripture as being your heart for mankind. Lord, um, you got it good tonight. <laughs> you, 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 got, you got the best of everything tonight, Father. And you desire for your children to have it good as well. And so, Lord, help us believe these things, grow in these things, embrace these things by faith. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. Shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck, love somebody in Jesus.